Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinarian developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hi, welcome to the Blizzard Watch podcast. Uh, I'm your host, Matthew Rossi, and with me, as always, are two of the three potential co-hosts. We're kind of like a little box, and it's closed, and you don't know which host you're going to get until you open the box. Until such time as the podcast starts, you know, you could be getting Adam or Alex. You know, you have no way of knowing. But now I can tell you, you have Alex. Uh, Hello. So first up is Alex, Alex Ebart, editor-in-chief and general Poobah, Grand High Poobah of Blizzard Watch and all its surveys. Alex, what are you up to? I am watching the poll that decides what I'm going to be playing in our new Thursday Twitch show where five of us dweebs are leveling 1 to 100. And people are making me be a warlock, and I'm kind of upset. Yeah, that's the thing about those polls is they always pick something they think is more entertaining to watch you suffer through. Yeah, and the thing is you don't know you don't want to play it until they tell you you have to. Uh, I usually know I don't like, want to play it. I... I, I specifically said no druid i didn't even put it on the list i don't want to play a druid and warlock shot to the top and i was like oh no i hate warlocks but it's too <laughs> late now oh uh, well uh i'm probably gonna end up as a monk so i'm just accepting it that's gonna happen that. eh, at least monks all monk weapons sheath on the back so at least there's that that's true. I, I have that very slight Slate thing. Uh, otherwise, though, yeah, I'm not looking forward to it. Monks bore me senseless. They are just tedious to play, in my opinion. I've never enjoyed them. Yeah, I think I mean, we've gone over my gripes with monks before on the podcast. It's not like funny because I don't like paladins, but I understand the paladin, and the paladin has gotten so much better since, like, when I played it, like in vanilla as a as a tank. Except you constantly or even have the even Acme like, Anvil noise. Yeah, I had. They always have made weird noises. I don't like. I'm just. I was hoping for Druid. I really was. I'm so really surprised the Druid players haven't pulled it together and gotten me into a Druid, because I wanted to play around with forms. Never really have. But, eh. Anne. We have to now introduce Anne. Anne is also here. Hello, Anne. I get to play a hunter apparently, or at least that's where it seems to be going. I'm cool with this because I like collecting pets and things. I somebody asked they were like they they wanted to know why I didn't have more choices 
for, I guess, yeah. for people to vote on. You were very picky about yours. Well, the thing is, is, is like, I wanted to make sure, I mean, if we were going to level 1 to 100, I wanted to play a class that I wasn't really familiar with at all. And I've played most of the classes in one capacity or another. However, monks, the only time I've really played monks at all was to level through the Pandaren starting zone. And, and like get screenshots and stuff of the various things that go on there. So I didn't get it like leveled beyond what it took to get off of the Wandering Isle. Right. And then on top of that, with hunters, the last time I played a hunter full time, I had a mana bar, I had to carry arrows around with me, and I had a steady shot auto shot macro. I was actually leveling a low level hunter until we decided to actually do this thing. So I was like, hmm, maybe they'll make me a hunter, and then I don't need to level two characters, but it didn't work out that way. Ha ha ha. Yeah, or we should probably talk about at least one thing that broke today, since it was, is pretty huge news. I was just going to pipe up, though, and say that I was really hoping that both you and Liz would get voted to be druids. Like, both of you would get to be druids, because that would mean that we could all go worgen. And play through the Gilnean starting zone because I haven't done that in forever, and I thought that'd be cool. But no, we're probably right, they don't have they don't have, don't have war games. I won't be a dwarf. I don't care. <laughs> no, no monk. I will not be a, a dwarf. I might be a gnome, but I definitely won't be a dwarf. No, okay. <laughs> gnomes aren't in the same place anymore, so it doesn't. It's not like it would help. Gnomes have their own starting zone now. Remember? Yeah, yeah they do. They they intersect at like level four or five, so it doesn't matter. But anyway, um, WoW token. Should talk about the WoW token because that broke today. It will not be going live as soon as the servers come up tomorrow. They will put it on. It will be turned on at some point, to, you know, this week. They haven't said when yet, but what they have said is that it is currently being patched into the game. Uh, maintenance will be extended tomorrow as a result, and then when the when it's patched in at some point afterwards. They will turn it on, and you will be able to buy the WoW token for real money and then sell it on the auction house for gold. And what this means is, ultimately, Blizzard gets paid either way. And that's the thing I really feel like needs to get emphasized, because people keep freaking out that this this isn't pay to win, because, you know, it's all you get out of it is some gold. And... What's actually this, interesting to me is the subscription is $15, the WoW token is $20. Yes. So you're, they're actually charging you a little fee to to get, you know, you're, there's an extra $5 that the person buying the token get has to pay in order to get that gold in game. And if you're paying for your subscription in gold, the value of your subscription that you paid for in gold is actually slightly more expensive than the subscription everybody else has. I'm pretty sure that's how it works in Wildstar too, and like all the other games that have the token system like yeah, that. Yeah, there's always a markup. Yeah, it's yeah. it's 20 is like the standard, or seems to be the standard for whatever game, so I'm not really concerned yeah. about that at all. If Adam were here, we could we could talk about what the Eve does, but I, he isn't, so we can't. Uh, I know that Eve, Eve pioneered this kind of thing with Plex, but um, yeah. I don't play Eve. So all I know is this is going to be – the I today would kind of wish this had already been in because I was at one point today completely broke on cash and needed to get gold really bad. Ended up having to sell a ton of battle pets to do it, um, which doesn't bother me because I don't use them for anything. I am not a battle pet person. I just happen to have them because I run old content and you know they just drop. Uh, right. But 
in terms of you know being able to go out and spend like 20 bucks and get the token and put it up and get enough gold to have done the thing i wanted to do would have been nice i'm rather than kind have of to the do... other way around where for the first time i feel like i have a decent amount of gold in wow and I'm waiting to see the prices, what they'll cost for gold, because I think it'll tell me whether I'm actually WoW wealthy or if I'm completely broke in comparison to the people who truly have a lot of gold. I yeah. should hit 200k in the next couple of days here. It's ridiculous. Yeah, I hit 300 last week. Yeah, it's it's like ridiculous. I have. I, and I, I started with about 10,000. Yeah, I keep going to the auction house and looking for like mounts or things like that. I think what I'm going to do is I'm going to build like the jewel crafting mounts because I got nothing else to spend my gold on. Like, there's just nothing else to spend it on. But then I was, you know, you were talking about the game time thing. Well, if it's not that expensive, maybe I'll buy a couple months of game time. That'd be cool. Yeah, I mean, if it turns out to be something silly like 20000 or 30000 number one, I could pay for my subscription with gold probably indefinitely, and number two, probably nobody will be buying the tokens to sell them because that's not worth it. Yeah, it's not. It's, uh, right. it's just, I'm mostly interested in seeing how it plays out, really, and, you know, it's patching in tomorrow, Tuesday, but it won't necessarily be live till later in the week or maybe later. I know people who are completely gold capped, who literally have so much gold that they buy anything that strikes their fancy because they can. Oh yeah. They they buy the mythic pieces when they you know when they're in the auction house because they might as well. Yeah. Like, like I don't think that's the norm, but I think there no. are more people who are gold capped than one would expect that there are. Well, yeah. I think you know there's people like me who I can't make gold to save my life. Like I don't understand how y'all do it, but. Then there's people like them who are completely gold capped and are saying, "Oh, hey, you know, I'll buy those those pets off you. I don't have anything else to do." So uh, yeah, I, think I think it's honestly back people the... like that. If you're gold capped, why not? Why not get a couple months free? If I recall, know? back in the dark ages, we did a piece on somebody who had, was gold capped on three characters, yeah. which is insane. Like uh, they must do nothing but play the auction house. But I guess if that's what they enjoy, then. Yeah, there's people who absolutely do. There's people who love doing that. And there's people who are just, you know, really good at it. I mean, for that matter. Uh, so, but yeah, that's this week. Um, also this week, uh, tomorrow for sure, uh, the LFR is going to open the last wing of Blackrock Foundry. So if you've you know, been waiting to go kill Blackhand on, on LFR difficulty, you'll be able to this week. And that's um, just Blackhand, right? It is just Blackhand. Yes. I don't. It's just don't like uh, High Mall. Feel, how do you guys feel about that? Where they have like so many bosses. Imperator, that last and, yeah. wing is just one boss. I don't know why they're doing that. Like it felt really weird when they did it with Imperator and High Mall. Yeah. And it feels even. It feels just as strange. I mean, on the one hand, you kind of sometimes you just want to go kill the last guy because you know he usually has right, the best but, loot. But. Spe- uh, on LFR, he doesn't actually drop the black hand, and that's kind oh. of annoying. But Wait, he what? drops that. He doesn't drop LFR gear. Looks completely different. Yeah. Oh, so okay. when black he, do- he doesn't drop his mace on LFR. He drops. He drops a mace that just doesn't look. It looks like the standard. Okay, I don't uh, care about that. I thought you were talking mace. about like the quest item, because no. Cadgar wants you to get his arm, because I guess he needs a hand. Uh, anyway. Uh. <laughs> No, it's like his like his, that doesn't his drop his it far. I was like, yeah. what? No, he doesn't drop his his signature weapon. He only drops it on normal heroic mythic difficulty. Right. Okay. 
Yeah, that, LFR, he of, just dropped something called the Forge Master's Hand. Like, as somebody who only does LFR these days, the fact that none of the cool stuff is in LFR is... It kind of saps my interest in doing it sometimes. And it's not yeah. encouraging me to do harder difficulties, because I just don't want to. And as far as physical health, it's better that I don't. It's just like, come on. I'm running normal twice a week. Uh, I just actually did Heroic or Gorger with uh, Stacey Landry and a bunch of other people like Riddock and uh, such. That, you know, it was like things like three or four people that work for us. I think Antigen was there too. So, you know, hi guys. Uh, they pulled me in very nicely because they needed a 10th for a little bit. And I, of course, was terrible because for one thing, I didn't have my eye patch on, so I couldn't see a damn thing. Uh, for another thing, I didn't haven't done Orgorger. <laughs> I haven't even done Orgorger on LFR. I just avoid Orgorger. Oh, gosh. That's a confusing <laughs> fight if you haven't done yeah. it. The that first was my time first we time. went in on I was LFR, like, I don't know. it was great. You see it on Heroic. I'm sitting there going, I have no idea what we're doing. This is my first time here. I guess I'll just do what I'm told. <laughs> Interrupt things. Okay. Run, run away. I'm doing my best on that one. Oh, no. i run over again. The, oh, well. the LFR fight, I hate so much i've ranted on twitter about it at least three or four times maidens. you hate maidens. iron maidens oh my god i hate it lfr yeah. it's like 10 to 15 minutes of doing pretty much nothing and then a minute of all of the melee dying to a turret instantly and then you wipe and then you get to stand in one place for 10 minutes again you must get some really terrible groups because i we didn't yeah, we didn't even wipe on it. I think we one-shot it this week. It was just... It it went it's actually a little entire, quicker. The entire fight, the whole thing, is based on range DPS's ability to kill the turrets. Yeah. If they choose to. And it's <laughs> an extremely long fight where nobody else is doing anything but the five people who get to go on the, on the boat. Everybody else is just standing there, pretty much. And, and if the range the... DPS yeah. aren't on top of that turret, everybody's dead. The end. Hmm. Yeah, I've, like I've I did it on once in LFR, and we we did also clear it. But I guess again, our range actually did the turrets, which is nice. My my uh, complaint about that fight is even with the twenty five percent because they they reduced the health of the Iron much. Maiden by twenty five percent, so it was slightly faster. But I still don't think it was fast enough in comparison to the other LFR fights that are in there. Not as a fight by itself. As a fight by itself, yeah, a raid fight, I'd expect it to go about that long. The, th the problem that I have with it, though, is that it's boring. It is so That's boring for, like, the first two-thirds. And then the last third is mass chaos, but in a really fun way. But you it's have to, like, go so through all long. of this boring, just, you know, wail on the boss, get out of the line of this, stand in this thing, don't stand in that thing, run away from people. I mean, it's, it's See, just ho-hum. I've only seen like I've only seen this fight really. I did it once in LFR and didn't really pay attention. Uh, I've only really done it on normal, and on normal you get you since you I'm in the group that goes over to the boat and stuff. So on normal, it's oh, it's if fun. you're going to the boat, it's the totally boat's different. entertaining because yeah. you have something to do. Yeah, the boat's yeah. entertaining. It's just if you're if you, if you don't go on the hook to go across, then yeah, it's just excruciating. Well, I guess <laughs> like, plus I mean LF, in LFR they don't drop the bombs. I guess. They don't do the circles on the ground bombs thing? They, they do. No, they do the bombs. But you take, like, two steps left, then you take two steps right, and you go back to cleaving. Yeah. You do the hokey pokey, and you don't... Yes. not excited. 
No, because you do not even fifteen minutes. Hokey pokey is not that interesting. It's a pretty boring. The the most exciting part about that particular guys, I was kidding. You realize that, right? Is watching the bombs (laughs) on the ground fade from gray to red because I'm like, ooh, visually that's really pretty. That it does that. It's just like this slow fade and then they explode. That's really neat looking. Oh, I shouldn't stand in it. And that's like that's it. I just want to be clear that I wasn't serious there. I know. No, I, got, I got extra intense because I knew yeah. you were joking. <laughs> yeah, you were just like, you sounded so upset. It's I not exciting though. at all. I'm like, well, I know it wasn't exciting. That was a joke. I still, though, like okay. I said, the most exciting part about that first two thirds of the fight is watching those bombs fade from gray to orange to red. It's like, you can use it's pretty. heroism or bloodlust. Twice on that fight, yeah, to have them still not be dead. Yeah, it's why? Oh, why? I I do agree that it is a very long fight. Even on like a normal heroic, it's very long. I haven't I seen mean, it. On, I have no idea. I maybe it's not as bad in LFR anymore since people know how to do it a little bit better. But the no. first the first time I ran it. We wiped eight times. Oh, yeah. No, I've okay. never wiped more than twice on it. And each encounter, like each pull took like between 10 and 15 minutes. And we wiped eight times. So you were in there for like 80 minutes. On the one boss. Yeah, no, that's yeah, that's not fun. <sighs> All right. Before Alex continues, though, we, we should actually do some emails. So you, the usual thing applies. The emails are sent to podcast at blizzardwatch.com if you've got a question if you've got a statement if you think we we have nice voices whatever go ahead and send us an email and talk to us we enjoy hearing you from you and we like talking about your emails on the show which is what we're going to do now uh first email is from shadow master bastar i i'm gonna pronounce that bastar until someone tells me different uh bm hunter um from the, no well is is he a base- fish or is he music I don't know, but or maybe Tad his name Qu- is ba- just Bass B A S, and he's a star. No, see, he's from the Tadpool Guild, and Tadpool suggests water, and water suggests fish. So I'm going with Bastar. Oh, Bastar, okay. yeah, he could be a fish in an oil spill. There you go. And the Alliance Earthen Ring. Um, anyway, Watchers, super serious question here. After seeing Rossi mention on Twitter that mages and warlocks are basically the same, I got to thinking. Warlocks are supposed to be shaman who turn to fell magic instead of elements, correct? So why don't they wear male armor? Is it because they need something more flowy to sit, to stay cool around all the fell fire? Or to go more general, why do warlocks seem to be more like fell mages rather than fell shamans? Uh, well, Bastar, warlocks from Draenor were former shamans that turned to fell energy because the elements weren't listening to them anymore in the original timeline. But that's not what they were on Azeroth, where they have existed for thousands of years. Uh, Azeroth's had warlocks almost as long as Azeroth has existed. We know of at least warlocks dating back to the the War of the of the Ancients, when the Burning Legion began coming through in force and immediately started converting people to being warlocks and or outright you know satyr demons. So yeah, in that case, those dudes were in fact just plain mages. They were not shamans. It pretty much is anybody who knows anything about magic who decides, you know, demons make a lot of sense. I do like power, and I do like destroying things. Yeah, I'm going with that. So it doesn't, you know, it's not... The reason that the orcs don't wear wear mail, I guess, you know, they forgot. Or maybe it's because, look how lumpy that that Gul'dan got. Maybe it doesn't fit anymore. 
I mean, you know, he's he's extremely spiky. Have, have you guys? Could you this? imagine getting your hooks caught in chainmail? Yeah. I don't. I don't even know what that stuff coming out of his back is supposed to be. Like seriously, I. Is it like spines? Like, is it part of his bones? What? What? Ow! I don't even want to think about that. The growing those things. And he didn't even like. He went through that, and now he's like to everybody else, drink, like with no no sense of irony about it. He's not even remotely concerned that people will look at him and go, "Dude, what is up with your back? What these? It just you know, there's some spines. Are those growing out of your spinal column? What? Where are they coming from? Look, dude, just drink, okay? It, yeah, it, yeah. having like that significant of a skin condition. He's got four foot things coming out of his back. I don't yeah. I don't think it counts as a skin condition anymore. He's got a hat rack on his shoulders. <laughs> <laughs> it's like seriously, Gul'dan, you invite him to the poker game and then everyone hangs their coats on him. Like seriously, no. I that's mean, why if if that's not actually growing out of him and it's like armor, I question his armor choices and what purpose that serves. Bring me something spiky. What what are we why are we doing this? I want to wear it high. Hide. I okay. Because he I wants to be the most I, powerful, and therefore I don't understand the, the tactical value. Of all orcs. <laughs> That's how orcs determine it. Yeah, spines. The thing is, though, when uh when they showed you uh, oh god, I can't remember his name, and I really should. Uh, Kilrog. When Kilrog drank and turned like gray, which was unusual, he got spiky too. Yep. He got spiky almost immediately. So I'm thinking like whatever mix of, of demonic Kool-Aid they got this time, it, it's definitely spikier than I'm the previous. I'm still pulling mix. for Brutalis. And I ran Sunwell Plateau this morning and it made me pull for Brutalis even more because that guy's cool. He's awesome. Did you, you, did you manage to get down before the, the ice wall gets up? I do that every time. No, I didn't know you could do that. So yeah, I don't you, oh, yeah. if you, you play a rogue, right, Alex? No, I'm a paladin sitting across from you in game right now. Oh well, I didn't. Oh, I knew you had a rogue, <laughs> right? I didn't know. I have you were... a rogue, yes. Okay, so anyway, no, you just have to run, run down there real quick, because you can run and jump off the edge before they finish their little chit chat, and then you just hang out down there until you don't actually even need gets to active. Be a rogue. You're a paladin, so you have the faster mount thing, right? Yes. Yeah, then Here's just mount up and buzz through there. Yeah, just. You mount up as soon as you get done killing uh, the demony guy that's possessing um, Zergos or Caligos. There, you you mount up and you just ride right through that pack. You do not stop for them. You ride right through them and you'll get dismounted about halfway into the room, and just keep going. Just go right over the edge. Is the there ice any wall, benefit to doing this? No. You get to see everything. You get to see him like chat. You get to be right up on it. Like I've taken some amazing selfies, like right under Brutalis as he's getting zapped up into the air. <laughs> it's really cool. It's like he, she's like, you will tell me what I want to know. And she's lifting him up in the air, and like you basically get to see everything. It's like, cool. wow. I've always wanted to tweet Brutalis's groin. Yeah, there, there you, go. you go. So yeah. <laughs> next next statement is from Stephen, and it's a short one, but it's one I've wanted to talk about for a while, so I picked it. Uh, Stephen had this to say: I have always thought Arthas had no alternative but to destroy the city. 
He doesn't say what city. I'm assuming he means Stratholme, but maybe he meant Lordaeron. We talked he about did... this at the end of last week, didn't we? What yeah. other city but... could they possibly be talking about? Stratholme. One of the things that we, we talked about it we we talked about it a little bit last week because we were talking about Blizzard throwing kind of like weird moral equivalency into stuff. Where like you know the only ch- the only choice you can make makes you as evil as you know the thing you're fighting sort of thing. Yeah, this kind of loves that idea, and yeah. particularly in Arthas's case, it's one of the things I want to talk about because they literally give him no option. Like I want you to tell me what he could have done. I mean, he does go nuts. Like his whole you know by the power of my crown, you know you are relieved from service thing. He doesn't even really try to convince Uther. He doesn't go, dude. What do you got for me then? You know, you yeah. want us to do what? We just stand here and watch them all turn into undead. So they all have to go through that. You got, is that your option? Uh, if you want to, us to find a cure, how? Give me something. Give me, give me any suggestion. That's the thing. Arthas wasn't right because Arthas doesn't do any of that stuff. Arthas jumps straight from zero to 60. You go straight from, oh, hey, bad thing. Let's murder everybody. And if you go into, like, if you ever did the calling of time, the calling of Stratholme, in the caverns of time, Arthas's dialogue consists mostly of "I can only help you with a clean death." Right. Hey, hey, Arthas. Um, we're all moving next week, so if you could come on down and help us with "I can only help you with a clean death," Steve. That's all I got. Clean death. That's it. Okay. I kind of thought maybe you know you're a big guy, you carry a big hammer. Around. <laughs> I thought you could lift some boxes. I just wanted to borrow your truck, man. <laughs> Yeah, you know, Inv- Invincible about... looks like he could pull a, pull a cart real well. Don't talk to me about Invincible. Yeah, ha- having the conversation with people in general about that scene in particular is always difficult because what it comes down to is the conversation is very brief because it's an RTS game. You yes. know, there isn't a long debate to be had there, so Arthas gives no alternative, but neither does Uther. So neither of them are in the right there, but no. there isn't enough dialogue for, you know, to really determine who had the moral high ground. Neither of them did because the conversation never happened. Plus, I mean, the other problem with it is that, you know, it's a situation where we know where the story wants to go because we've played Warcraft three and we've played, you know, Wrath of Lich King and we understand the end point. Arthas is going to fall and going to do evil things because we need him to be a death knight because that's what the story is talking about. And, you know, as Alex pointed out, it's an RTS. So we don't have like a week to like really set it up. That being said, it it really is a situation where there's no you can be right in terms of what your decision is and wrong in terms of how you implemented it. And that's the the point Blizzard is making and the point that they make later with Arthas when he burns the ships is that he's gone too far. It's not that his decision wasn't the correct one at the time. It's that each time he made the decision, it got easier for him to make it. He didn't learn the lesson that this should always be hard to do. That he shouldn't, you know, heedlessly throwing everything aside for vengeance isn't the answer. And granted, that's, that's, that drum gets beat a lot, and sometimes it's not really useful. Um, but in this particular case, Arthas wasn't right, but neither was he wrong. He wasn't wrong in terms of what he was saying about Stratholme, but he wasn't right... Because he didn't bother to try to convince them. He simply said, well, we're doing it. Yeah. Nope, killing everybody. That's my option. That, well, can we maybe some other plan? Nope. Yeah, and, you know, those the people who walked away from him certainly did some grandstanding about moral high ground, but nobody had any alternatives to offer, well, really. In yeah, reality, their only alternative would be to take the people who hadn't turned yet and quarantine them in the hopes that they wouldn't turn 
that they hadn't eaten the grain, that they hadn't, you know, they, they weren't affected. And, and that got even, yeah, that's even harder to do because people started turning. Yeah, you and can't. Then once, yeah. Yeah. It's also an RTS. Turn, everybody... That would have been a boring mission. Yeah, it would have. <laughs> quarantine. Help Arthas. In the city. Quarantine the city. No. Watch the, map the city. Now that's hours. interesting. <laughs> but, you know, I still will say, I've always said it from the first moment I did, you know, calling a Strath home, Arthas's incessant repeating of, I can only help you with a clean death, made me think he's just going to be the worst bro imaginable. Like, his, you know, he's very bro y. First off, let's be honest. Pre Death Knight Arthas is extremely broy. Oh yeah, and he's only his only help for you is a clean death. You know, you call him up, dude. I, I'm going to be a little late on my rent this month. I know you owe me that money, so no, I can only help you with a clean death. Look, I don't want you to kill my landlord. I just really need the money. I can only help you with a clean death. That's it. That's what I got. Clean death. Sorry. That's, that's the line I'm going to use from now on when <laughs> any of you need anything from me at work. Oh, no. Alex, can you kill somebody for me? What did you do, Rossi? Well, you ruin it when you ask me if I can kill somebody. Ugh. I know. That's what I'm here for, ladies and gentlemen. I'm here to ruin things. You're supposed to All ask right. Liz to help you with that. <laughs> oh, please. I'm way too afraid of how efficient Liz is at that. Uh... <laughs> This next one is from Alessandra. used to email us all the time. So, hello, Lorecast. Just wondering, after the architects and builders of Stormwind have been screwed over for at least 10 years now and are all angry pirates, will the rest of Stormwind ever get fixed? You know, that big area collapsing into the ocean thanks to an angry dragon. I'm tired of seeing it. As only, as it only reminds me of the mess that the last human kingdom has made of itself compared to the rest. It isn't radiated, I guess, but still, I wish Varian would step up and lead the people in a way that didn't involve things dying. Well, Alessandra. Well, first off, compared I, to the other human kingdoms, Stormwind is doing amazing. Yeah. Isn't it? And I, I, my main point there is, you know, you're talking about the big area collapsing into the ocean. Well, how do you yeah. put that back? <laughs> you don't really exactly put that back. I know exactly how to put it back. Um, you just don't ask architects to do it. You ask for the thousands of mages, druids, and shaman running around them, the city. Have them build it up again, and that'd be pretty like, cool. Like, hey, shaman, isn't it your job to move Earth? Just pick that up and put it back. And See, my okay, suggestion no was, like, you know that big, like, area back behind Stormwind Keep where there's, like, a farm sitting back there for whatever reason? Okay, why do you have a farmer in the city? Shouldn't they be out in Elwyn or something? Go ahead and put him out there and just turn that area into the park. Make it the park. It'll be fine. Yeah, I don't know why they don't just knock that part that Deathwing knocked down all the way down. Just yeah, and just it. repair it's, it. Yeah. You know, Just build a wall around that area, a nice retaining wall. Knock the rest of it in the ocean. Expand towards you know, the mountains because you've got plenty of mountains surrounding the place. Have them grow Boom. like some, some nice... Hell, there's a organ, isn't there organ there? druid right there. And isn't there's it a, still burning? Can't they at least put the fire yeah, out? Putting it's, the fire it's out. Next to the you ocean. would think that that would be, you know. Well, it took them like two years to fix the burning <laughs> like rocks in the front of the place. But they got that done. <laughs> you know, what would be great is that they they actually had to cut that all off because it's still burning since it's Deathwing and he did like horrible things and it's just eternally melting rock. So they actually had to chop all that off and put all new stone up. And somewhere in Stormwind is a pile of eternally glowing red hot rock that they actually are thinking of what to do with. Can we use this for power in the winter months? There's got to be something we can do the with gnomes this. The gnomes are just begging to take it. Yeah. 
please let us work with the eternally burning. Give it to fire. us. We'll find all kinds of fascinating things to do with that. Yeah. No, that's you have any idea how that's many exactly why the gnomes rock. don't get it because they use the word fascinating. <laughs> when gnomes call something fascinating, you run. You just yeah. No, it really is fascinating. Why won't you give us the eternally burning rocks? Please, they were ever so small and cute, and the explosion will only be huge. Only huge? Yeah. At most, it'll take out the Dwarven District, and we, look, we just lost, we're talking about a district we already just lost. We don't need to lose another district, gnomes. What the, I, I would what the gnomes like would do is take it to Gnome Ragon, try to use it to reclaim the city again, and, just and somehow everything. nuke it again. <laughs> <laughs> now we have burning trunks. No, it's burning <laughs> leopard gnomes. Great. <laughs> Eternally burning leopard gnomes. I burn, but I don't die. <laughs> well, this, this didn't work. Wow, we just made this dungeon even worse. <laughs> I didn't think that was possible. Yeah, no. <laughs> I do wish well, okay, they could so... do something with it, though, because I do get tired of looking at the... Uh, remnants that are just sort of, I, I, the the rubble the rubble could go away and I'd be happy you know what I want do you know what I want them to do now what just because just, it would be hilarious we come in say the, the end of of, of Warlords of Pandaria not Warlords of Pandaria Warlords of Draenor Warlords of Pandaria <laughs> we go to the end of Warlords of Draenor we defeat the end boss we go back home we we, all go, we go to Stormwind and there's a huge new statue of Varian Rin in the old park. It's just <laughs> looming. It's just looming over the yeah. entire city. It's like they didn't fix the park in any way. It's still falling into the ocean. It's bigger there's than the towers at the front of now the I, Now city. I picture the statue like sinking with it. So this yes. giant stone head, like you can just see from the eyes up, he's <laughs> peering over the city. <laughs> no, you know what I would love to see though. Like seriously. When, when Alex was saying, oh, you should get the mages and the druids and stuff on that, you know what would be cool is if they, like, brought the druids in there, in there and had them grow, like, a tree area right where that spot was at. Something that looks like the Batani houses in well, Warlords. Like That'd be like pretty. Gildeans get something in Stormwind. So they, the yeah, they could grow have a druids. tree for the Gildeans or something. I don't know. Yeah. They're the dogs. Oak. They like trees, right? <laughs> It still, it still kind of bothers me that they put in that tiny little stupid plateau for the last boss of Everbloom just outside Stormwind. Yeah. But no, you can't have the park. You need this special area to fight a boss. You just need that one little platform spot for everybody to wonder, what is that? Until they get I hurt. Honestly, I thought it was a new entrance to the Dark Moon Fair when it first showed up there. Really? Because I didn't look too closely at the banners to notice any, like, Kieran Tor stuff or whatever. Oh. It was just purple. So I was like, oh, this must be the new way of getting to the Darkmoon Fair instead of going all the way to Elwyn Forest. Nope. And then I ran Everbloom and I was like, wow, there's a portal to Stormwind here. What the hell? Yep. Yeah. From, I don't know. I, I think we should probably move on, though, because we could probably talk about the park all day and it can't be that fascinating for anybody but me. Yeah. Imagining the giant Marion Rin statue. Just the <laughs> they head. blew it up, and you like maniac. The hands. the hands are kind of yeah. like looming over. It's, it's literally the end of, of um, Planet of the Apes, but with a Varian Rin statue in the park. <laughs> <laughs> okay, this one's from Dr. Lore, and uh, Dr. Lore says, Hey, watchers. Again, after writing a comment on your site, I thought it would be worth an email. So, dear watchers, watch this. And he links to the story Code of Rule, um, page 13 of it, which is, you know, really good story. You should go read it. It's up on the Blizzard site now. It's basically the Imperator Margok 
uh, story. And he, he's quoted this line, which I'm going to read to you. His people were born at the beginning when the great forgers squeezed the light from the enormous ball of fire that would become Draenor. They made ogres from the same smoking clay and gave them dominion over stone and earth. The world was theirs. With that quoted, and after finding several mighty titan-like artifacts in Gorgrond while questing, I would absolutely venture a prognosis. Uh, okay. Draenor is one of the planets visited and shaped by the Titans. The ogres seem to call them forgers, and the ogres from Draenor seem to be the equivalent to the dwarves of Azeroth, originally made of stone to rule and shape the earth in deeper realms of the planet. What do you think about that? And if you agree, are there old gods under the crust of Draenor having cursed the ogres with the curse of flesh? Is Draenor another prison planet? I would love to hear your opinions and keep on writing, casting, and doing stuff. your stuff. I love it. Greetings, Dr. Lore. Uh, first off, Anne has already touched on this at least once or twice. I touched on it once or twice. There was evidence way before that story of exactly that, and we've mentioned it numerous times. Well, they've said, uh, like, I, I think it was Dave Kosak mentioned, it was either in a panel or on Twitter. I think it was in a panel at BlizzCon where he said that pretty much every planet out there has been touched by the Titans in yeah, one capacity or another. The Titans and, are the creators. Right, and what he said was that as far as Draenor was concerned, did they touch Draenor? Yeah. Did they stay there very long? Nowhere near as long as they did with Azeroth. But we've, we've, you know, known from the beginning. I mean, one of the, the, the whole bit about uh, Gorgrond is that the Titans are all over it. Yeah. Um, there's, a, there's a Titan relic in, um, of all places, Nagrand. And I still don't know what happens to that thing, but you help the uh, goblins get their hands on it. So that, that's that always a good idea. To a terrible idea too. <laughs> it's that thing um, I never feel more scummy in a video game than when I'm questing for goblins and I really don't like it yeah the other thing I mean one of the things that's interesting is if you look at the the, the Magnaron and the Gron and the Ogron and the Ogres you see a similar progression as you see with the giants and the Vrykul and the humans where you go see, from bigger to is, smaller didn't they say that the Orgron was kind of the missing link between the giants and the Ogres oh. They said it was between the Gron and the Ogre. The Gron and the Ogre, okay. But the, then yeah. the Gron are descended from, and then you go look, like yeah. further up the line there. So what I'm wondering is when he says in that story, when he says his people were born at the beginning, is he talking about the Ogres or is he talking about the things that would eventually become the Ogres? That's a good question that I don't know. But for that matter, I mean, the, the Ogres could be, as he points out, like similar to the Dwarves, the ogres could be the dwarves of Draenor because look at the size of the things that are bigger than they are. I mean, if you look at the giants of Azeroth and then the Vrykul, who were you know still very large but much smaller, then the Earthen, you've got a definite you know were they all related seed races or were they direct descent? We don't know. Well, and uh, the part that I like about this is that that like the Earth giants, they're obviously they're still trying to do their whole shaping thing. They're trying to shape the wor- the Earth, and the Batan. The Batani are like fighting them, trying yeah. to do the same thing. So it, it's whatever program they put in place on Draenor totally didn't work. Or this is in fact how they wanted it to work. They wanted oh. it to be a, a savage contest. One of the interesting things about the Batani and the other plant things is that they're like they're really breaking down. That's what they do. Yeah. They break down everything they come into contact with. And that's exactly how soil gets formed. If you look at like, the actual nature, the way you get fertile soil is through constant upheaval and breakdown and disaster. You get, you know, forests burn. Yeah. The ground gets savaged. The earthquakes tear up the ground. And that's exactly how you end up with fertile, usable soil. 
So it's fascinating to watch the Batani. Like anything that gets in their in their grasp, they turn into mulch. Uh, whether it's or also not kind it's, of gross. Know, like, it's mulch or weird plant zombies. Well, yeah, but the plant zombies are like basically the hands because the plants themselves can't get go around and move. It's really interesting how they've got like things that move and things that don't in the Batani. But basically, what the point is, yeah, we know that the Draenor is. It's interesting you mentioned the curse of flesh too, because that's actually something I've thought from the beginning. The curse of flesh is a lie. It's a straight up lie, and I don't know who's telling it. But the reason I've thought this is because when you go to Oldman. They straight up say, we deliberately made these guys out of stone, and we usually don't do that because we needed them to shape the ground, and they're set up to degrade. That's stated. So when you have the quote-unquote curse of flesh, the curse of flesh looks an awful lot Are like they that's about how the Mark Titans... 1 or Mark 2 of the dwarves, though, because there were two different yeah. versions. That, but that came up after. That's in Wrath. Okay. When they first put the, when they first put Ultimon in, they're talking about how the the, the matrices destabilize into both um, trogs and dwarves. Right. And that's like, why did the matrices destabilize at all? Why did you make them to destabilize? It's it's really messed up. And I honestly find myself wondering if the if the old gods just found a, a back door in, and say, oh hey, they have this. Click. Let's tell them we did that. And then they'll think we're all powerful. Because if you look at it, Deathwing had a way to reverse it. Did Deathwing have yeah. a way to reverse it because the old god showed it to him? Or did he have a way to reverse it because he is the aspect of Earth? And That's that an interesting question, and I think you should totally write a tinfoil hat about this. I'm thinking about it. Uh, it's one of the things I've been thinking about for a while. But anyway, getting back to this basic point is we know there's some kind of old god influence on this world. Um, if nothing else, we know that our Draenor had one because we saw it getting summoned into Shadowmoon Valley. In Outland, yep. yeah. Yeah, in Outland. If not an actual old god, certainly something similar to one. It was the Arakoa summoning them, right? Yes, and uh, Goldan blew them up to keep them from doing it. And then their ghosts went to try and do it because they were just that determined to bring it in. But also, um, I think Anne talked about this. When you when Cho'Gal goes to Highmall and before yeah. when he's in... He's in the Grand. Why don't you talk about that? Because I know you covered it. There's there's a few interesting things about that, but I think probably the most evidential as far as that goes is when you go into High Mall and you fight, um, oh, what's his name? Big Earth guy, The Rock, Tectus. You go fight Tectus, right? And he has like those ads that run in. Those ads that run in start talking. And some of the stuff that they're saying sounds very much like old god speech. Like old god speech that you hear from any of the old gods that we fought or any of the old god minions that we fought in Northrend or in Cataclysm or whenever. Um, and it's interesting because it's like, huh, it, are, are these guys communing with the darkened Naru or is there something else that they're working with here? Because the thing is, is like, my mind immediately went to, well, maybe the Dark and Naru eventually turned into an old god, and that's what happened there. But that's not the case, because when they go full dark like that, they turn into void gods. I mean, we saw it with Muru. Yeah, the, the Pale Ones were always really interesting to me, because I... It's weird! Before I learned, like, I think I had you explain to me what they actually were, because I wasn't paying attention to them or whatever, but... 
looking at them and the kind of uh, things they said in combat and so forth, just throughout leveling, I always thought it was more of an old god thing, like they dug too deep or whatever. Right. Well, and here's... not we touched a dead Naru. Right. Here's here's the part that's interesting about that is that they what the pale are is they are orc shaman who were trying to commune with the spirits on their little spirit quest or whatever it is that they do to become full-fledged shaman. And they touched the wrong thing. And you're supposed to assume that it's that dark Naru, because obviously that keeps coming up over and over again, that there's this darkened Naru. But when you're dealing with the elements and you're dealing with the earth, I mean, look at the one that they focused on. The one that they focused on was the earth guy. That kind of, to me, that, that almost hints that there is an old god buried somewhere, and that's what these orcs were and touching. their general aesthetic, the pale ones, they're scrawny and kind of creepy and spidery. Well, just the language it that they speak. Yeah, and it suggests something, you know, that is spent too long underground. So I assumed it was like exposure to an old god buried in the earth. See, I think Anne's got a got something with that because her point about it being Tectus they go for. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not Deathwing the other ones, is, it's just yeah, Tectus. Yeah. And Deathwing is the aspect of Earth, and Deathwing is the one the old gods went after because they were beneath the Earth. They were underneath the ground trapped there. So are there, is there an old god trapped under Draenor? I don't know. Do the, do, is that what the you know the Titans go around making planets around old gods? I mean that doesn't sound like something they would do. But well, that was one there's... of my theories like way back when yeah. was that they were just imprisoning these aspects of chaos, and that Azeroth was the founding cloud of chaos. It kind of when when I was talking about how it correlated to Lovecraft. Yeah, the Azeroth, I, I, Azathoth thing. Azathoth, yeah. Azathoth was like the eye of chaos. It was the thing from which chaos originated. Um, and my my theory about that was that they actually built a prison around it to contain it, to keep it contained. But, you know, you have these other little spiral, spiraling bits of chaos out in the universe, so what are they doing? They're putting them in, I don't know, kinder eggs. Well, that goes, that goes back <laughs> to Tempest Keep. Like, if you did Tempest Keep, the uh, the Alcatraz. Yeah. When you when you free Harbinger Skyrim, uh, Skyrus, it is Skyrus, right? Yeah, Skyrus. When you free him, he even says, you know, we span the universe as countless as over. the stars. Yeah. And no no force in the universe has the power to make us bend our knee, not even the mighty legion. Uh, and so the old gods have always been set up to be in complete opposition, not just to everybody who wants to, to live a life not going insane. Life itself, yeah. whatever form but even, that might take. But also, they're also in opposition to the nihilistic destruction that the Legion brings. Yeah. They don't want to destroy everything. They want to twist everything so it works for them. They, they want to have to a be chaos their party. Kind of yeah. So the idea, I mean, if you think about it, what the Legion offers to bring you is ultimate order. Because if everything is destroyed, that's as orderly as it gets. It falls under the Legion's, wow, that's an interesting thought. I have a yeah. question. Sargeras is kind of indirectly doing what he was trying to avoid doing in the first place. Sargeras is ordering the reality. He's just ordering it dead. Yeah. Hey, you were going to say, Alex? Before I forget, it's kind of off topic. Not really. You reminded me of it. If neither of you have ever looked at the the factions in the game Endless Legend, I think both of you should do so because there's some really cool stuff there that's like traditional fantasy stuff and also very much not. And I think both of you would really dig it. And given 
you know, a lot of these themes that come up in that you talk about World of Warcraft, you should definitely look into them. That was all. Okay. Endless legend. Okay. That's probably a good time to switch to the next email because otherwise, Anna otherwise and I will keep we talking. Otherwise, we keep going for thing. like forever on this. So let's we, move on. And we, we haven't done that that lore podcast yet. We probably should at some point. <laughs> you should. You need to arrange that at some point here. Yes. The next one doesn't signed, unfortunately, but uh, might be signed within the body of the email, but it is not signed at the end. So, this one is hello, watchers. My name is Yosir. See, he did in fact sign it. My name is Yosir, and I'm a survival hunter. I have both a question and a piece of trivia for you. First, a question. Recently, my roommate and I were discussing how Warlords might be shaping up to feature only two, technically now three, raiding tiers for the whole expansion. As the discussion continued, the topic of what zone slash race slash factions, etc., we wished we would have received further lore development on and a raid for. Personally, I wish Skyreach had not been the end of the Arakoa storyline and Rukmar had been incorporated into a mid-expansion tier instead of being a world boss. With Anzu returning to aid the outcasts, a scenario in which the adherents would have summoned her back to you know, Spires of Iraq to even the odds and further their genocide would have made for an awesome endgame story. The raid wouldn't have necessarily need to have been entirely Arakoa either. Enslaved Saberon boss, a Pexus construct, for example. Perhaps uh, Pepe could have even played some secret and sinister role. Uh, okay. Uh, with the heavily implied link to the Titans, a raid devoted to the, prim- the primals and breakers would have also been great too. Anyway, my question to all of you is, what raid, be it introductory tier, mid-expansion, or final, Tanan doesn't count, would you have liked to see? Uh, I think we should talk about this first because the second thing is cool, but it's kind of niche. Uh, quite honestly, the, we talking about the Titans before. Uh, when we talked about the Gron and the Ogres and all that having a certain Titan connection, there's Titans slathered all over the Arakoa civilization. I, you know, I really dug the Arakoa this expansion, and I, I like them, them in Burning Crusade. And that's turned out to be the story I wanted to see more of, and I really enjoyed following. Because there's just, you know, you've got the outcasts who, in Burning Crusade, were very dark and cruel, and Warlords gives you kind of a different look of that, and you see this ridiculous majesty of what the Arakoa were, of, you know, their titan constructs and their ability to wield the power of the sun, and when you're questing in Spires of Iraq, when you first go in there, if you don't just run straight down the hill, if you wait... You see this giant Arakoa death laser carve a line of fire through the forest below you. Yeah. And it's, it's just crazy. The scale of what's going on there is huge, and you see so little of it, and you get shuffled off to the back to the orcs. See, what's interesting about that, too, is when I first went into that zone, I was actually it was in the beta. And I remember this because if you've got the Warlords Adrenaline Strategy Guide, there's a picture of my warrior standing next to that beam as it fires, yeah. which was a complete accident. I didn't know <laughs> the beam was going to fire. I just stopped there. I'm like, this is a nice place to take a screenshot. And I take a screenshot, and just as I'm taking it, <laughs> like, what the heck is that? I and actually didn't notice it my first, on my first character because I was just, okay, off to the next quest, and I just ran. And it was only on my alt that I was being a little more leisurely and just saw this thing carving through the earth, and it was amazing. The interesting thing about that entire zone is, on the one hand, that zone works beautifully. as you know, It has a story, it goes from beginning to end, it, it ties in little sub-quests, but you don't have to do all of them, and you get a, a real understanding of their culture and what's going on to a degree. But at the same time... Yeah, it totally feels like Skyreach should not have been the end by any stretch of the imaginations. There, 
uh, you're, the final boss of Skyreach should not have been there. And I, I think could... it raised a lot of questions that were way more compelling than the actual plot of the expansion overall. Like um, the the Red Mist with Seth. Yeah. That's like that's exactly the mist they describe falling on Chatrath when it fell in our timeline. Yeah. And like, like where did, it did could the, have did, been the blood of Seth that did caused the orcs that. did the orcs go and harvest that to use against the Draenei as a weapon? Right. And, and I kinda wanted to see this transition where like, okay, so the outcasts worshipped the sun and had fallen for whatever reason. In Burning Crusade you saw a few Arakoa that were redeemed and had turned to the light of the light, like the faith of the light. And I mm-hmm. kind of wanted to see, you know, is that an actual transition that happens? Do they turn from the light of the sun to this more spiritual light? Like, I kind of wanted to see that happen. There's all sorts of stuff. I mean, I, I remember Anne and I were talking about it because there's that, that bit, like the, there's like an archeological expedition right near Skyreach. Yeah. Uh, and you basically go in and you find these chambers with all those, like, you know, Pexus robots. And they look and, like, it's, it looks like a Titan chamber. It's a Titan chamber. There's no looks like you are totally it, yeah. right the first time. It's a Titan chamber. Um, when we were talking about it, it was like four o'clock in the morning. And uh, as it's usually the case, Maticus was like, what are you two talking about? I'm like, no, <laughs> this robot, there's these robots and they have a laser and you go to hijack the laser and you're sitting in the laser chair and you're shooting things. Pew, pew. And it's like, it was awesome. Yeah. But the whole, the whole thing, Skyreach, the entire area, it's like, you're sitting going, okay, what are the Arakoa? Are yeah. the Arakoa a Titan construct? Like, the, where like did back they home? come from? Yeah, yeah. Like, there's the cat people that well, the Tolvir. That's the thing, right? Is that the Arakoa seem to be the Tolvir of this expansion, and the yes. Tolvir were like, I wanted to see so much more of those guys, and we didn't get it. We just got like a little taste of it, and then we got to go wander with Harrison Jones for like half the zone. But we all know how we feel about that, anyway. Um, it seems like we got more, like more of a complete picture with the Spires of Iraq, but there's still like these huge questions that they didn't answer yet. And what I'm afraid of, of course, is that, you know, we're going to get done with Warlords of Draenor and we're just going to go to wherever we go next and we're going to forget about the Arakoa altogether, which this is, is one kind of, of a reasons, pity because they're yeah. really cool. This is one of the reasons where I feel like this is the first expansion where I felt like the next expansion could still take place on Draenor. They still have stuff that they could do there. Yeah. yeah. I honestly felt like they could say that continent to the south of Nagrand, boom, open it up. And there's, you know, there's more, there's more with the Arakoa, there's more with ogres. And you could actually do that with this expansion. I mean, I honestly feel like there's going to be Legion stuff coming up. I mean, I don't see like how... Like I was saying, you know, the Arakoa to me were way more interesting than the stuff going on at the Iron Horde. Like... Just the, the honestly, the the whole situation and everything going on there was just super engaging for me. Didn't you feel like there could have been more, like with the Arakoa and the Iron Horde? Like you've set up the Arakoa, the the non cursed Arakoa are kind of like elitist jerks, for lack of a better phrase. Yeah. Uh, hey, a little call back to earlier in WoW, but they, they've set up that they're, they're trying to wipe out their own people for the crime of having been cursed, which makes them very similar to the way the Draenei acted towards the Broken. Remember how the Draenei freaked out and were like, cast the broken out and didn't want anything to do with them? Yeah, Which again kind of falls back to that whole Red Mist parallel thing, which yeah, I think right. is interesting. So you could totally have had like the Iron Horde show up at the end when like the, the Arakoa are on their last legs and be like, you know, we offer you an alliance and, you know, we want the Red Mist. And, you know, like dun dun dun. And, you know, you, you, totally so much stuff you could have done. Like Kargath just shows up. 
Like Blade Fist is in the Spires of Iraq and he does nothing. He just beats you up. Yep. Yeah. It's like, why are you here other than to prevent me from using, uh, you know, the power of the Talon King to save the day? That so was that another seems- one of those weird moments where a zone. I think almost every zone had one of these. You get a powerful artifact that's going to change the face of the war, and then you get to the last quest, and oh, never mind, you lost it. Yeah, Gorgrond has that. Spires yep. of Iraq has it. I don't think Negrand has it. Negrand has a powerful. You have a powerful <laughs> artifact that you immediately yeah, give scream. to. Like, he was the powerful artifact. We totally lost no, no. him. <laughs> the thing is, like, seriously, Negrand has that Titan artifact that you immediately give to the worst people imaginable. Yeah. It's like, here, hey, this totally looks like it could Speaking totally of do terrible awesome ideas. Things. That was probably a pretty yeah. terrible idea. Yeah. But, I mean, it's honestly, and we should probably get moving because it's towards the end of the show, but one of the things, since you brought him up, I honestly feel like garage could have been a lot more if we're talking about stuff you could have gotten to see i'm not necessarily saying we should have seen garage as a raid boss but here we are now killing garage was the best thing we could have done for Gul'dan. yeah in fact if you look at right now with the situation on the iron horde and Gul'dan, everything we did after we came through the dark portal made Gul'dan stronger everything we've done every single thing up to and including killing azuka blade fury and then kind of just letting the Iron Horde go. Like, you know, hey, that yeah, you still go made no sense to me. Duraton's just like, you go back into Tanan and you think about what you did, and we'll be back to talk about it again later. Like, what? Why did you do that? <laughs> you know, wouldn't it be great, though, seriously, wouldn't it be great if there was a scene where afterwards you're asking Duraton, I like, that. I wouldn't do that. That'd be crazy. Why did we let him go? And, like, you know, it turns out Gul'dan's been manipulating us the whole freaking time. Because, honestly... (laughs) Yeah, I know, you think it was Cadgar in his flesh suit. (laughs) Although, it would be hilarious if at one point Cadgar turns and takes off his mask and he is Gul'dan. Oh, no. Cadgar's Vanessa Van Cleef. Oh, yes. Nah. (laughs) I... I did all this for no reason at all, because it doesn't help me in the slightest or advance my plans in any way. Father, I've avenged you. you... I you don't really know really. exactly how I went about doing it, but I did, and it was very complicated, and I hope you're proud of me wherever you are. <laughs> that she vanishes. Oh, we do we <laughs> the last quest in the legendary quest chain, and we all wake up in the dead mines, and we're in the middle of the Vanessa boss fight. Oh my gosh. I actually have an even better one for you. You do all that stuff, you do the legendary quest, and then, yes, Cadgar takes off his mask, and it's Vanessa Van Cleef. Then Gul'dan takes off his mask, <laughs> and he's Edwin Van Cleef. And he takes off his mask, and it's Scooby-Doo. No, Scooby-Doo would be the one taking the masks off. He doesn't show up. He's not Turner the villain. Johnson, and I would have gotten away with it, too, if it weren't for you kids. Although, I'll tell you right now, if they did do that, when we woke up in the dead mines, I would lose my mind. Oh, <laughs> oh, no, that would be terrible. I hate that fight. Oh, my God, I hate that I mean, that it, would be, so it would be, I, I tell you what, it would, it would make my jaw drop. It totally would, because it's just... <laughs> But at the same time, no, I don't think they want to do that. <laughs> no, I don't think they can get away with the entire expansion. It was a dream. This is not the end of Dallas. Let's just erase Pandaria and Cataclysm <laughs> and Warlords. It was all a hallucination. Deathwing's still around because we spent the entire time <laughs> in the dead months. Deathwing's no. been waiting for you for two years. What are you people doing? Seriously, I've got a whole raid here. I've been waiting. Now we have to fight Atraxian again. 
I don't even want to fight oh, you guys. Oh no, now. we've got to do Spine of Deathwing again. Deathwing got <laughs> bored and left. No, the best part is, you know how Deathwing ended up like impaled on Wormrest Temple. Yeah. Yeah. And then the whole world got destroyed. Right now, you you come out and Deathwing is just sitting on Wormrest Temple, going, "Yeah, still here. I gave Alex her eggs back. She, I was totally bored. She explained to me I was being a creep, and you know, I think I, I should work on myself for a while. I don't I don't really need like what what do I want to destroy Azeroth for, really." So, yeah, I'm going to go work on myself, and, uh, yeah, that's great. I'll talk to you guys later. And he just flies off. Hey, world is saved. All we had to do was take a nap. Yes. And the age of portals has begun, thanks to (laughs) Deathwing's therapist. Yes. Oh, God. All right. That's pretty much the show, guys. (laughs) So, yes. We kind of went a little off the rails at the end there, but. Vanessa Van Cleef is in charge of everything. If you want to hear Uh, more of our nonsense, uh, starting this week, Thursday, we're starting a new show on Twitch where five of us are going to be leveling 1 to 100, and that probably sounds really boring, but what it'll actually be is five of us screwing around for a couple hours in the afternoon. It's Thursdays at 2 p.m. Central. It's me, Matt Rossi, and Stickney, Liz Harper, and the return of Fox Van Allen. I'm so excited that we get to hear Fox again. I miss I'm Fox. Excited I, I won't have to talk at all. I'm just going to let you guys talk and Fox will handle everything. If you guys let us, Fox and I will sit there and talk about Big Brother for an hour. <laughs> I've witnessed this. <laughs> at BlizzCon, the two of them started talking about Big Brother. They were doing it forever. It was just... It, if you want to vote while well, you still can, go to Blizzard Watch. Uh, we've got a poll up where you can decide things like what faction we're going to play for, the class, Liz, myself, Anne, and Alex. Vote Druid play. For, for Rossi and for Liz. Vote Druid. So we can and all be Morgan. And if you won't be able to watch it live, because it is at kind of a weird time, two in the afternoon on Thursday, that's just when we can get together. And I'm sure a lot of you will be at work or school or whatever. Um, after the fact, it will be uploaded to our youtube channel which currently has nothing on it so don't ask me what it is because it doesn't matter <laughs> it's a work in progress yeah we'll link it when it's ready all right but anyway thanks very much everybody and we will uh see you guys thursday i guess see ya good night everybody imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt now imagine them getting even softer over time that's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. 
I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. 